Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. As I tell you every week, right now you're going to church with thousands of people all over the world. Remember, the word church in the Bible is not about a building, a location, a particular city. The word church means the called out. In other words, those who have followed the Lord Jesus. They've been called out and they're following Him. And and where and how they meet is secondary to the fact that they've been called out and they're answering the call to follow Jesus as Lord and become disciples of the Lord Jesus. Listen, today we're going to be continuing in this series about dignity and worth. And we're going to be talking about the paradox of transformation. Now listen, so many times when you're facing the realization that changes need to happen in your life, the very way you approach it can make it impossible for those changes to ever happen by the grace of God. I want to show you how to make transformation easy and light. You know, I've got a great free message for you this month called Seeing Yourself as God Sees You. There are few things that will transform your life as much as coming to understand and believe how God really sees and feels about you. Be sure and download this. It's a life changer. You know, so many times when we think about growing, developing, or whatever, of course, the first word that comes into our mind is change. And we have this sense of, I need to change. And you know, there's really nothing wrong with using that word. It's an incorrect word. And because of what that word means to us, we usually right off the bat have some negative inner responses to the concept of change. You know, first of all, we think about change as being hard. We think about change as, as a struggle that we've got to go through. We've got to labor to bring about change in our life. And then also we think about change as being painful. This is going to hurt. This is going to be painful. I'm going to have to give up a bunch of stuff. And then we think about change around the idea that the whole reason to change is because something is wrong with me. I want you to realize if that's how you approach change or growth or development, then you have probably unintentionally been influenced and are turning what should be healthy, desirable growth. You're turning it into something negative, probably something legalistic and something that you dread and something you feel like you have to do instead of something that you want to do. Now, in this paradox of transformation, I don't know any other title for this particular message because we are always going to be going through transformation, but transformation and change is not the same thing. When we understand why we need to go through transformation, when we understand the benefits that it brings to us, and when we can distinguish transformation from change, we can really enter into that place where transformation occurs effortlessly, it occurs without pain. There's no dread. As a matter of fact, we can get to where we actually look forward to new growth and new development. Now, I know that that's foreign for so many people, but let's stop and think about it. Now, you know, God is completely consistent. He's completely congruent. And no reality where there is a law of science 
an emotional law of how things work in us and in our heart, there are no contradictions in the way God created us. You know, the contradictions come because of the way we look at the world, because of the beliefs that we have about the world. But what you find is is that the laws of physics, now the problem is we don't fully understand the laws of physics. We understand a lot of the laws of physics, but you know, for years, we thought understanding the Newtonian concept of physics was all that there was. And then we find out there's this whole other world, this whole other subatomic world, where suddenly you get into energy working in ways that doesn't look at all like Newtonian physics. And Newtonian physics is meaningful and valuable for large masses, but Newtonian physics is never right when it comes down to, or rarely ever right, when it comes down to what happens at the subatomic or the quantum realm. And and likewise, that's the way it is in dealing with emotions and trying to understand emotions. You know, we look at the chemicals in the brain and we look at behavior, but we have no real sense of what's going on in the heart and why and how things are happening internally first and then coming to the outward man. But I'll tell you what you can know, You can know that once you understand how any one thing works, if you understand it properly, it will always apply to every other realm and every other facet of reality. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, and I quote this all the time, it's one of the key heart physics scriptures that we use. And it tells us that the visible world can help us understand the attributes of God that we can't see. And so the true laws of physics reveal things about God's attributes, about His nature, about who He is. And I'm going to tell you something. This is why the world of science has been so perverted by the secular education people, by the government. So science has become the religion of the New Agers. It has become the religion of the secular humanists. It has become the religion of governments because if you twist science, you make everything about God non-understandable from His creation. And you make everything about man non-understandable. But, you know, one of the laws of physics that is an important law of physics that applies to the heart is the idea that for every action, there is an equal an opposite reaction. Now, that's not real complicated. Almost everybody understands that. Almost everybody, you know, believes that and can kind of get their head around it. So when you think about what that would look like in the heart, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. This means if the beliefs of my heart are not rooted in the love of God, then I will probably develop beliefs that sound good and they sound noble and they sound spiritual, but they will have an impact on me that I'm not anticipating because of the, because of the reaction. So stop and think about this. If you feel that you have to change to, for God to love you, and you feel that deeply and strongly, then one of the things that you will feel is, number one, if I don't change, God won't love me. Another place that you might be in dealing with with that is, until I change, God doesn't love me. See, if I believe I need to change to have God love me, then the opposite and equal reaction is that God doesn't love me the way that I am right now. So our beliefs about change tend to be pretty negative. You know, stop and think about it. God doesn't need for you to change. God really, it doesn't benefit God one bit. You know, when we change, when we grow, when we develop, 
All that really happens is that we become more capable of having good relationships with God and with the people around us. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, when we walk in love, our life just works better and we start to live life as it should be. You know, that's what the word righteousness means. You know, word righteousness means as it should be. Life as it should be, it's not just about doing all the right things, but it's talking about the quality of life being as it should be based on the fact that you are in Jesus. And man, that's a continuum that goes through what you think, what you feel, what you believe, what you embrace, how you act, all of these things. It goes all the way through your behavior, you know, from your outward to your most deep inward expressions of who you are, life as it should be. That's why one of my blogs is called Life at Its Best, because that's how life should be. So development or growth or change really is my friend and is your friend. Because if I am doing this according to God's Word, then the real truth is I don't have negative emotion that causes an equal and opposite reaction. See, if negative emotions are driving and beliefs are driving my need to change, then that is what seeds and fuels this equal and opposite reaction. If I am saying I want to change or grow or I want to develop myself so that I can walk in love, there isn't a negative reaction. Because the real truth is, if I don't change and don't grow, I probably won't be walking in love. But that has nothing to do with how I feel about myself. It has nothing to do with how I think God feels about me. So, you know, the Bible tells us, it says, you know, we should present ourselves, present our bodies literally as living sacrifices unto God. And it tells us that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, Two interesting words come to play in there, and that is the word transformed and then the words renewing of the mind. Because you see, this removes us from the realm of change and into the realm of transformation. And that's where we want to be. That's where we want to understand what's happening. And the whole reason that we've got these negative concepts about change is really we just don't even believe the truth about the fact that when we're born again, that our spirit man is made righteous. There's nothing you can do after you're born again to make your spirit man any more righteous. And after you're born again, your journey with God is not a journey that says, okay, I'm going to try to change the old man. I'm going to try to change my behavior. I'm going to try to change. You know, I'm going to try to make everything work. I'm going to tell you, that's why so many people don't enjoy walking with God. They don't enjoy how their life is going. Well, listen, I'll be back in just a few minutes and we'll put the pieces of this together and we'll resolve the paradox. Listen, if you're tired of feeling bad about yourself, if you're tired of not liking who you are, and you're tired of the way that's affecting your relationships and your walk with God, then you want to get my series, Dignity and Worth, a 10-CD series with two bonus CDs, which means you're going to get 12 CDs. Two of them are going to be a free gift to you because I want to invest in you. And I want to tell you, this is going to give you the tools you need to walk through a life transformation and change your sense of dignity and worth. I'm sure that almost everybody has heard 
somebody talk about this scripture, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you know that that word transform comes from the word metamorphosis. Now, a metamorphosis is not where a person is trying to change who they are or what they are. A metamorphosis is something that takes place because of who you really are. Now, I want to tell you something, man, this thing about walking with God, this thing about walking in righteousness. You see, the Bible doesn't tell us after we become born again to become righteous. It tells us to yield to righteousness because the real truth is we've got a new nature. We are our new man. And intuitively, deep inside of us, there is always this drawing to walk in love, to walk in kindness, to treat people the way we should treat them, you know, to be fair, to be honest, and, and all those kinds of things. Well, that happens because our spirit man, when it was born again, was made perfect. You know, there is no lack in who you are as a born-again believer. But now that does not mean that the way you think and therefore the way your emotions go and therefore the way some of your behavior goes, that you're walking in righteousness. And I want you to understand something. Being righteous helps you on the vertical plane. In other words, being righteous makes it possible for you to connect with God, even though out here in your behavior or out here in some of your thoughts that you struggle with, they're not in line with righteousness. But because you've been made righteous, you have access to God. You're in Jesus, you know, and really you're approaching Him based on the righteousness of Jesus anyhow, not based on your own righteousness, but you're a new creation. So being righteous helps you on this vertical plane tremendously. But when we don't think and have our emotions and feel and walk in righteousness, then that's when that creates trouble for us. You know, if you lie to people, you're going to have trouble. If you cheat people, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have conflict and you may even end up in jail. And you know, that's why Jesus said in the book of Matthew, he says, listen, don't think that I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. He said, you know, not one jot or tittle. This shall pass away until all be fulfilled. Well, it wasn't fulfilled when Jesus was raised from the dead. It's fulfilled when, because we're walking in love, that's the way we live. That's the way we treat people. And in that example, he says, listen, if you owe somebody money, you may end up in prison until you pay back the last penny. I'm not here to give you a way to get out of walking in love. I'm not here to give you a way to treat people bad because you can't treat people bad and your life workout is just a universal law that God has programmed in the world because the world, the universe, all things that exist were designed to function in righteousness and everything that supports who God is, the character and the nature of God. So on a horizontal level, Man, we got all kinds of problems if we don't yield to righteousness. On a vertical level between us and God, if we believe the truth about how we are in Jesus, while we're resolving these problems out here, while we're growing, while we're developing ourselves, we can still be at peace with God because we know that He loves us. We know that He accepts us. Now, some people take this and try to use this for an excuse of like, well, look, if He loves me and accepts me, then I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to put any emphasis on that. Well, that's the voice of a fool. That's somebody who is going to live a hard life, who's going to hurt a lot of people, who's never going to really experience the love of God the way that God intended for them to. They're just going to talk a good game and use that as a cloak for 
unrighteousness. And, you know, Paul warns us over and over again about that. But, you know, because we've been made righteous, don't use this as an excuse. Because we're under grace, don't use this as a reason to sin. So we're not talking about that. And I don't want to get too far off track. But I want you to understand the concept of metamorphosis is best understood in the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. Because once this process of transformation happens, then what is on the inside of this caterpillar actually consumes and totally overcomes everything that's on the outside so that what emerges is its true self, its true identity. It's not an ugly worm. That's what it looks like right now. That's what it looks like on the outside. But this transformation process happens not because he's working a program, not because he's trying to make it happen. This transformation happens because of just yielding to what happens on the inside and letting all of that work its way to the outside. So for us as believers, if we want our life to work, if we want our relationships to be what they should be, if we want to have peace in our own hearts, if we want to succeed and prosper, if we want people to trust us and want to do business with us, you know, if we want to get raises and promotions, you know, you can't get raises and promotions if you're a liar and you're cheating, you're late all the time, you're lazy and you don't meet your deadlines. I mean, unless you're a government worker. And sadly, that's true. I'm not just trying to be facetious or smart, Alec. If you're plugged into some system that's rooted in socialism and humanism, then yeah, all of those things are going to happen, but that doesn't happen in the real world. That only happens out here in this illusionary world. But I want you to realize something. This transformation that needs to take place takes place as you realize who you are in Jesus. In other words, the more you see Him as He is, see God as He is through the Lord Jesus Christ, then the more you become capable of knowing and believing the truth about who you are. And the more you look to Jesus and realize that this new nature that you have, this new person that you are on the inside, that this person, your spirit man, is in fact created and is just like Jesus. So inside you, there is always this drawing, this compelling, this intuitive sense and desire and craving to be like Jesus. Not because you've got to do that to get God to love you, but because that's who you really are. That's your true nature. Now listen, one of the most simple and powerful laws of transformation comes from this principle that I use this terminology to describe. We become what we behold. Now, when you look at people who are mean religious people, they have a concept of God that's not based on what Jesus showed us. They have a concept of God where they have taken information probably from the Old Testament. They've extrapolated it just like the Jews did. And basically, they created vain imaginations and vain concepts of who God is, all the while rejecting the fact that Jesus came to show us exactly who God is, exactly what God looks like, exactly what His nature is. So you can't come up with any concept of God that's inconsistent with anything Jesus ever did or anything Jesus ever taught, anything Jesus ever accomplished. So if we want to see God, we've got to look at Jesus. Now, when we look at Jesus, when we look at the life, the teaching, how Jesus related to people, we see 
Two different things. We see the exact expression. According to Hebrews 11.3, we see the, the exact manifestation, if you will, of who God really is. But we also see a perfect expression of who we would be if we believed about God what Jesus believed about God. But the only way that I can stay in touch with what Jesus believed about God is to keep my focus on Jesus as Lord, is to accept his teaching, accept his death, burial, and resurrection, accept everything about what he did, what he accomplished, who he was, and what he modeled to us. In the book of First uh, John, we have this scripture. I, I love this scripture. You guys have heard me quote this dozens, if not hundreds of times. First John 3, 1 through 3 says this. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Now that concept there and that word in original language is talking about children of God who have all of the rights, privileges, and benefits, not children who are not yet heirs, you know, to the family fortune. We are heirs to the family fortune. We share in the inheritance that Jesus obtained, not the inheritance based on where we are spiritually. See, we're not even growing and going through transformation to get something from God or to get more from God. We're going through this because we want to be who we really are. And we want to have the capacity to walk in who we are. So he says, beloved, right now we're the children of God and it has not yet been revealed. That word revealed is just manifest. Not saying it has never been shown to us. It's not manifest what we shall be. But we know that when he is manifest, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. This is talking about seeing God as he is. See, where was God manifest? God was manifest in planet earth in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, in his life, in his teachings, the way he treated people, his morals, his ethics, his values, and then, of course, what he accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection. So when God manifested himself through Jesus, so when I look at Jesus and I acknowledge that this is the perfect representation of God, and I acknowledge I am his righteousness. I have been made righteous in the same way that he is righteous. Therefore, this is who I am. Who he is, is the perfect representation of who God is. Who he is, is the perfect representation of who I am in my inner man, man alive. And the transformation that takes place. See, it goes on to say, everyone who has this hope in him purifies or sanctifies himself just as he is pure or sanctified. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But this transformation that takes place, it doesn't happen because you strain and strive and because you confess enough scripture. I mean, all of those, you know, confessing scripture, those things are valuable. But it happens because you look at Jesus and see God, but you also look at Jesus and see your true self, your true inner man who is desiring to be manifest. And all you've got to do for that to happen, see it, believe it, yield to it. You don't even have to make it happen. Listen, I'll be back with a mentoring moment. Don't go away. You know, if this is speaking to your heart, man, if you're getting stirred up to feel better about yourself right now, go online and you can download this series, Dignity and Worth, and you can begin making your transformation today. Don't wait another minute. 
You know, November and December are always interesting months for so many people because people are facing all kinds of challenges, financial challenges and emotional challenges and relational challenges. And listen, I don't know about you, but for me, the holidays most of my life was an absolute torment. I struggled with depression and I would start getting depressed about the end of October, and I would stay depressed all the way through sometimes to the spring because holidays were so miserable. Listen, I want you to be sure and get our mobile app so you'll have easy access to this, but you, you can get this on our website. I have a free gift that I want to give you in November and December about creating happy holidays, and it's a free gift that is going to share with you some things about how you can create traditions that mean something to you and your family and how you can free yourself from any of the struggles that you have from the past. You know, in coming to see God as He is, like I've said over and over, we have to first see Jesus as He is. You know, I'll never forget one time I was sitting in a meeting and someone that I really, really respected, he was teaching and it was powerful. And he was saying, listen, as New Covenant believers, we need to really put all of our focus on the epistles if we're going to understand the will of God for our lives. And, you know, I remember as a you know new believer, I was thinking, man, that's so important. And just as I started to write a note down in my notebook that I needed to focus my attention on the epistles, the Lord spoke to me and said, that's not true. He said, if you try to live your life out of the epistles, you will end up departing from the truth. I'm like, well, what do I need to do? I mean, what are you talking about? He said, read the epistles, but root yourself in the gospels because it's in the gospels that we see Jesus as he is. You know, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I would recommend that you do this. I would recommend, and you can probably find them online or just through an app for your phone. I would recommend getting as many different translations of the New Testament as you possibly can and begin reading the Gospels again and take your time, this time, but read them in different translations than you normally read them. And maybe, you know, read through the book of John in Amplified Bible, read through it in the New International Version, read through it in the NIV, you know, go through whatever translations you have. But as you're reading it, notice how Jesus treated people. If he treated people differently, notice who he treated differently. Because what you'll see is that Jesus never rejected a person that had a need. He never said no to him. He never rejected a person that was struggling with sin. He warned him to get out of sin. The only people Jesus ever had a hard word for were the religious people who tried to debate him and who were twisting the word of God. Go back and start looking at Jesus again so that you can see God as he really is. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.